Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Someone once said, road trips aren't measured by the mile markers, but by moments. Since the early adventures in covered wagons and to the days of the automobile, the Great American Road Trip has been synonymous with adventure and freedom. From Route 66 to exploring our great national parks, there are countless trips across America. If you've ever dreamed of hitting the open road and finding the best eats, hotels, educational landmarks, breathtaking sights, and hidden gems, you've come to the right place. Today we're talking to John Gray, CEO of RV Share, and we'll be talking All-American Road Trip. We'll learn about the best way to hit the roads, about our national parks, renting an RV, and road trip stops you shouldn't miss. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Destination Everywhere, the Great American Road Trip. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode of Destination Everywhere. This week, we are going on the road across America. We're excited to have you join us. I'm Andy McNeil, along with Todd Bloodworth. And Todd, we've traveled lots of times in cars and vans and trucks and RVs across the great United States. And we thought because of COVID and what's happening and people really aren't getting on planes, that we give lots of tips and ideas of destinations, trips, and bucket list items in and around traveling this great country of ours, United States of America. So we have got a lot for you to a lot to cover today. But first, we're going to start by talking about some of our childhood road trips and what they uh, which were pretty comical. I know I, had a, I have a few choice stories, and Todd, I know you have some as well. Yeah, I probably got a lot more than you do. <laughs> you travel a lot by car when you're a kid, right? Yeah, well, let's just say when the movie Vacation came out in the 80s, it was so funny because it was so familiar to us because that's exactly the kind of traveling that we did. Hopefully you didn't strap your grandmother to the top of the car. We didn't do that. We, we didn't have to resort to that, thankfully. But no, we did. We, you know, as I said, my dad was in the military. So we were traveling on budgets and traveling on a budget means if it's in with car distance, I, you know, I'd say probably if it was probably within a 14, 15 hour drive, we were driving and not getting on an airplane. So, and then that was kind of our story, you know, our MO, that was our family kind of way of doing things. My family was spread all over the country, but a lot of them were up the, the Northeast corridor. So I grew up in Florida, so we just kept going up and back, up and back the Northeast Quarter from uh, pretty much from Florida all the way to New York, New Jersey. I've seen a lot of the historical sites, doing all, all the great, uh, fun colonial things, and then seeing my grandparents who happened to live in Morristown, New Jersey. So I did a lot of that. Did you drive or did you fly, though? Oh, uh, we drove. We drove. Our friends had a, this great camper. It was actually the camper that was in Stripes, the movie, the green one that they use as a, <laughs> it ends up being a tank in the movie. So yeah, we actually had that actual one and it was actually green. 
And I'll never forget the first time we went up to New Jersey. We were so excited. We woke up one morning and the water had frozen inside the toilet of the camper. And we thought that was the coolest thing ever. So that was about age nine. <laughs> so yeah, lots of fun memories of being on the road across America. Ours we had. We didn't have the luxury of having a camper because we just didn't do that. My grandparents, when I got a little bit older, they did buy a camper, well, a recreational vehicle. I used to call it a camper and she would correct me and they would say, it's a motorhome. It is not a camper. And she got really upset, legit upset when we called it a camper. (laughs) But uh, no, ours was like with our media family, we would drive around, but it would be in our station wagon. We had a Malibu station wagon, again, kind of similar to the vacation story. And it was the one that had the flip seat in the back. So you could see out the back window. Totally unsafe now. How dangerous is that thing nowadays? (laughs) I mean, you would never put children in the back of a car. Well, they were more comfortable. It was like steel back there. I mean, you're surrounded by metal. No car seats. And we had a Samoyed. And I don't know if you know what a Samoyed is, but a Samoyed is a big, hairy, white dog. It looks like a Husky, but it's white. And we were always traveling in warm weather. So the dog would shed and slobber. Me and my brother and sister were in the back seat. I still don't know where we put our luggage because we didn't have a roof rack. I think it's up top with your grandmother. It wasn't up top with your grandmother. The luggage was just there. I don't know how it got there. I got to ask my parents about that. And then the three of us would be in the back seat and my parents would be in the front seat if my dad could go, but you know, he worked a lot. And then we, we were off and that's just kind of how we did everything. We'd stop at rest stops and everything was planned out around a restaurant and a rest stop. And back then I think it was probably like a Cracker Barrel. You know, that was like, I'm glad you mentioned uh, RVs and campers because our guest today is actually John Gray, the CEO of RV Share. It's kind of like the Airbnb for the RV industry. And um, they're doing amazing things. And we're excited to hear from him and all the advancements since we were kids of how you can enjoy time on the road. So that's going to be great. I got to tell you my camper story real fast. My motorhome story. And this was a story where, you know, one summer, I think everybody was kind of doing their own thing. And my parents thought, they encouraged me to go with my grandparents in their motorhome. You know, they would pick me up and we'd go up to the Northeast. So it was my grandparents, their dog, and me. And they were a member of this club that they could just pull up their motorhome and get the reservation. You get your spot and you're good for a day or two or whatever. I'm sorry, the motorhome. And so we did that. And it was fun for a couple of days because we were kind of it's entertaining for kids, you know, you're having a great time, but again, there's no other kids. And this is my grandparents and they both like to drink and they both like to smoke. And we're in this motor home and you would just open the door up and the smoke would just come out because to them it was nothing, you know, but to us, it was just like the worst thing in the world. You know, you're getting car sick. So as the trip went on and on, ultimately they had to let me out in New York. And then I remember my grandmother, they took me to the train station and, you know, they walked me to the train. They're like, are you sure? Why were you at a train station? We were at a train station because they weren't going to drive me home because they were going, they were continuing their motorhome trip. Oh, gotcha. I was homesick at this point. And they put me on a train to come home. And uh, I just remember, you know, they put me on a train in New York and they didn't get off in time. <laughs> the train took off to Philly. They were freaking out. And then they had to ride back in between two cars. They let them ride for free, but to go back to New York, so that they could go get their RV and continue their trip. But the dog was left in the RV. It was just a big chaotic mess. But needless to say, that was my last big trip in an RV, except for some little ones that, that we've done, which have been fun. But uh, I've got a similar story. Well, mine's about my Aunt Nona, who was not really my aunt. She was my, I guess she's my first cousin once removed. I think that's right. 
I think she was my mother's first cousin. And she was everything you would think an Aunt Nona would be. She was raunchy. She was loud. She talked like she had just eaten a box of crackers. And uh, <laughs> she probably hung out with my mamaw. She drove a 67, like, emerald green Lincoln Continental. And I think this thing was the size of a small airplane. I, the thing was huge. I just went on for days and days. And I'll never forget, we they had a, a second home in, in Delray. They picked me up, or Aunt Nona picked me up, and we drove up the eastern seaboard. And we stopped at every seedy hotel and every possible diner all the way up the eastern seaboard. And I had a grilled cheese at every single one of those diners all the way up. I'll never forget it. And I never forget just smelling like smoke because she smoked the entire way. I also got to sit in front. I was only nine. I also got to sit in front the entire time. So times have... (laughs) I've definitely changed, but today we're actually going to try to spend some time talking about some really awesome road trips that you can do across the United States, everything from national parks to some of Todd and I's favorites that we've done over the years. It's going to be fantastic. Well, I'm sure Andy and I could go on and on about our own family road trips, but um, right now we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with our guest, John Gray with RV Share. We're going to talk a little bit about traveling with an RV. Are you ready to book your hotel for your next company event or family adventure? Let AMI help. We have ongoing relationships with all major hotel chains and access to over 200,000 hotels. Why us? We receive special promotions before they hit the open market, meaning significant cost savings to you. Go to destination-everywhere.com and click the Source Now button and let us get to work for you. I just want to welcome our next guest today. We're really excited to have John Gray, who is the CEO of RV Share. And when you think of RV Share, think of Airbnb, but for RV rentals. So welcome, John. We're excited to have you. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. So glad to have you. So, John, we're actually former customers, I guess current customers. We're in your system. We actually used you guys in 2019. We had never rented an RV before. And we loved it. It was easy. The customer service was great. But I think a lot of our listeners probably have not ever rented an RV, especially in the kind of the consumer to consumer model. So tell us just a little bit about it, what you know, RV shares, you know, kind of key differentiators are and how you got into the business. Yeah, your story about, you know, kind of coming in and renting an RV for the first time and not having driven an RV before is actually a, a story we hear all the time. And, you know, the other thing we hear all the time is, you know, I would have done this a lot sooner had I not been afraid to drive an RV, right? So that's something that we look at all the time. And we have hundreds of thousands of people book RVs every year, and they are easier to drive than you think they are. The other thing that we do at RV Share is if you want just an RV delivered to a campsite, we'll do that as well. So that way, if you're concerned about driving it, you can just show up and basically have a hotel room wherever you want to go. Oh, that's a great program. The business was started in 2013 and it basically works exactly like a VRBO or an Airbnb, but for RVs. So we connect people who own an RV and want to turn it into a second source of income with people who are looking to go on RV trips, typically with their family or with a group of friends. We talked about the newcomer that, you know, somebody that's never had an RV before, never driven a large vehicle, much less trailered anything, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, because it can be intimidating. And we, in fact, we were talking with our podcast producer earlier, you know, and the word intimidating came up sometimes for someone who's not comfortable, like 
driving this vehicle, what assurances can you give them or what do they need to know before they even start looking for the right one for them? I would say one of the biggest assurances is that, you know, thousands of people are doing this this weekend, right? I mean, it's not something that's impossible to figure out or anything like that. Also, when you talk about RVs, sometimes it sounds intimidating, but most people have driven a U-Haul truck before. And it's basically the same thing, right? In terms of size, a class C RV, which is the most common one booked through the site is pretty similar in size to, you know, the standard kind of smaller U-Haul that you would rent. So I think it's, that's one of the things that I think helps put people at ease about being an intimidating thing. But also when you rent through RV share, when you go to pick up the RV, you go through a walkthrough with the owner where the owner shows you how to use the RV, how to hook it up how to use the kitchen, how to use the bathroom, all of those types of things. And then they also do a test drive with you. And the test drive is, I think, really critical in getting you comfortable with the RV. And we encourage people who are renting for the first time to make sure they ask a lot of questions during that process and get as comfortable as they can. Because, you know, we realize that it is something that is feels a little uncomfortable to start with. But the other thing too, and I think this is an important point to make, is that satisfaction in this industry post-trip is incredibly high. 93 plus percent of our reviews are five-star reviews. So, you know, people don't give you five-star reviews if they don't have a good time on their trip. So, you know, one of the things, you know, people talk about the challenges with it, and that's something you can talk about, but there's also some amazing benefits of our being, especially when cast in, in light of a pandemic. Yeah, for sure. I actually remember when I went to pick up the RV, I was worried about backing it up, the trailer part of it. And um, I did it twice in their backyard. He gave me some tips and I was off. So it was great. So it's kind of a real life example that, you know, you are comfortable by the time you leave there. And it's great that you also have that program where you can actually drop it off too. I don't think you had that a few years back, probably would have used it. We got back and forth fine. It was awesome. It was awesome. We used the delivery products this year, uh, we went to a campground about an hour away from our house and we showed up, the air conditioner was already on. We walk right in, do a quick walkthrough with the owner. And it was a type of RV that I couldn't carry with, with my car, a fifth wheel, and it had two bedrooms. So my kids could be in the complete other side of the RV, which was really nice. And then when it was time to leave, we just walked out of the RV, locked the door and sent the, the owner a text and he came and picked it up. I mean, it was completely seamless, really a nice experience. That's great. That was going to be one of my next questions was, how do you pick the right type of RV for your family or your friends when you may not be experienced and know what to look for? So is there someone to help you? How do you do that? Sure. So I think the biggest tip for anybody planning an RV trip is to kind of begin with the end in mind of what you want the trip to be. And, you know, so think about how many people are going with you, how far you want to go, do you want to drive the RV so you can kind of move around a bit more during the trip? Or do you want to tow it so you'll have the mobility once you get there with your car? And, you know, those type of questions, I think, are really important to ask yourself at the beginning. But then also just kind of think through the use cases of how you're going to use the RV. If you're planning to cook and eat inside the RV, then, you know, having a large dining area is pretty important. If you're planning to sit outside around a campfire, like, like we usually do when we're going on an RV trip, the size of the dining room is a bit less important and we focus more on bedrooms. 
So, you know, it's one of those things where just think about the different ways you're going to use it and that will kind of assign how you, how you think about using it. Remember with RVs, they will give you an amount that it sleeps and it will sleep that many people, but it won't sleep that many people in individual rooms. Like if you want your kids in a separate room, for example, you're going to want to look at that on the floor plans for the RVs when you're looking to book. What kind of amenities typically come with the RV? You're talking about sleeping rooms. Do they already have the, the fitted sheets and things like that usually included, or do you bring those along with you? Typically they do. That's something that I would talk to the owner about ahead of time. To, and most of the owners are very good about sending you a list of things you should consider bringing. But most of the time they have the, the sheets and comforters and things like that in them. And they're pretty outfitted from that perspective. Most of the time they'll have, you know, lighters that you'd need for the kitchen for lighting the pilot light and those types of things. But, you know, when you talk about amenities, you can get really into specific stuff. Like there's, there's RVs that are really nice, have granite countertops, have you know, giant TVs in them that come out of the wall. And, you know, I mean, you can get really high-end amenities, but really the amenities that matter most in an RV is you're able to take your bedroom with you. You're able to take your bathroom with you and you're able to take your kitchen with you. And, you know, relative to the alternative, you know, 40 million households in the U.S. every year go camping. Most of those people are sleeping on the ground sleeping in the air conditioner, yeah. you know, with a kitchen and a bathroom is just a very different and much better experience. So you've got your RV. Does RV share have a relationship with different campsites throughout the country? Or do you have recommendations? Or is that just kind of, you know, I've got my RV, I'm going to, I got this covered. I'm going to do the rest of it myself as a traveler. So we do have some recommendations around that. There's some great websites and apps. There's one called Campendium. There's one called Hip Camp that you can use to book websites or campsites. There's one called Rover Pass that's the same sort of thing. And then there's one called Road Trippers that kind of gives you different things around the trips as you're driving. And all of those can be really helpful. Those are, are the ones I'd recommend. The other thing that I would recommend is unless you're going to a real destination campground, like if you're planning to do a road trip and just stop kind of wherever, I would not book my campgrounds in advance because that keeps your agenda a bit more open and allows you to have a bit more fun along the way. Really? You don't have to put yourself out miles wise or anything like that. Now, say you're going from Texas where I live to Yellowstone Park. Yeah. Book the campgrounds in Yellowstone or around Yellowstone but then on the way there, try to give yourself a bit more flexibility. With RV travel, it's a cliche, but the journey is the destination in many ways. And you need to yep. make sure you have the flexibility to enjoy it. So if you're going from like a park to a park and, and you do need an overnight somewhere that's not your destination, where do you recommend that people stop? I've heard that sometimes, what is it, like Walmart parking lots, they allow like RVs and campers to stop. I mean, is that true? I don't even know. Yeah, it really depends on your budget. I mean, you can stop at Cracker Barrels or Walmarts for free. I think most towns you go into along your way have places where you can stop, hook up your RV and those types of things. A lot of times in smaller towns, hotels will have RV pickup spots. So you can use the amenities of the hotel with your RV. There's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, obviously there's Jellystone parks all over the U.S. that are great examples for that. There's KOAs. There's all sorts of places to stop. It's one of those things where once you are driving in an RV and actually kind of looking for places to stop, you see them everywhere. There's tons of places to stop. 
That's great. So I looked online and I found this list of the kind of the, the top five or six. You have like, you have Airstream, Winnebago, Jayco, a teardrop camper, a happy camper. And are all these available through you guys? Is there any restriction if you're looking for a giant one versus, or do you not go to a certain smaller size or is everything available? We list all sorts of RVs. You know, we have hundreds of models on the site. And what I would say about that is there's probably less supply of the ones that are in high demand, naturally. And then there's less supply of the really big ones, just because they're very expensive to buy in the first place. I mean, those are are the ones that we have a bit less of, but there's not a limitation to the type of supply that you'll find in RV share. What type of service, you know, if God forbid you do have a breakdown or if you need support somewhere along your way. Is that a service that comes through RV Share or do you call the RV owner? So it comes through RV Share and it's a bit more of a nuanced explanation than that. But you know, if you book through RV Share, we connect you with our insurance partner that allows you to, to buy an insurance policy for the rental. That is really important because in most cases, your car insurance doesn't cover you to drive an RV. So, so that's one of the things that I think is really important. The other one is when you book through RV share, you get 24 seven roadside support. So, you know, if you're driving around and the RV gets stuck, you know, the, the roadside will come and winch you out, you know, things like that. So, you know, the kind of breakdown on the road scenarios, the flat tires, the things like that. And then also we are available 24-7 from a customer support operation perspective for you to call RV Share and we can help with, with any of those things, call or email. And then, but you know, you, you raised a good point with the owner. Most of the time, if something happens with the RV, and, and let me be clear, something happens with the RV rarely. Like again, we have you know 93% of our reviews are five-star reviews. People are usually having a good time and things aren't going wrong with the RV. That said, when they do, the first place most people call is the owner because the owner knows their RV the best and can usually help the most. So it's RV Share provides a, a tremendous amount of coverage to help if, if something does go wrong, but the owners are an amazing resource as well. Yeah, I'm a nervous traveler sometimes, especially when I just don't feel like I know it you know, 100%. So I like hearing that. Well, so you used to work at HomeAway, which is a home rental website that you can do. And I know a lot of people probably start out doing home rentals before they would take the jump to RV. What would you tell our audience that, that is considering this? And like, I don't know, sure, you know, it's so easy to rent a place on Airbnb or HomeAway or VRBO. I really want to try this because it seems like it gives me so much more freedom. What tips can you give them or what encouragement can you give them, John? Yeah, just, I mean, from a booking experience, it's incredibly similar, you know, so being able to find an RV that, that meets your needs and, and book it on the website is pretty similar to how you would do that on VRBO. It's not that different from that perspective. It's also, you know, if you're somebody who stays in vacation homes, you're somebody who's kind of accepted the idea over the last 10 to 20 years that the definition of travel should be expanded. It shouldn't just be hotels. Yeah. So in a way, whether you think yourself this way or not, you're a more adventurous type of traveler. And, you know, RVing fits really nicely with that. I think, you know, if you're going to New York for a couple of days, staying in a hotel is the right way to do it. If you're going on a business trip and you're going to be somewhere for a couple of days, again, a hotel's great. If you're taking your family to the beach for a couple of weeks, a vacation rental's amazing. It's the best option for it. But again, there's, you know, 40 million households in the U.S. going camping 
every year, probably more this year. And yeah, for sure. Far better way than trying to, you know, drive from one place to stay in a hotel than to the next hotel. Or It's a great option for a road trip. It's a great option for tailgates and music festivals when those are actually happening. And then just when you compare it to the use case of camping, you know, if you're into primitive camping or something like that, of course, an RV is not an option for you. <laughs> Most people who go camping are going camping just to kind of get outside and spend time with their family. And, and an RV just allows you to focus more of the time and gives you a bit more creature comforts than staying in a tent does and a lot more creature comforts, actually. So a few things on that. I mean, the first thing is, you know, right when everything kind of started to set in from a pandemic perspective in, in mid-March, we saw a, a lot of cancellations and things like that, you know, kind of pivoted the business during that period to rent out RVs to doctors who wanted to park an RV in their driveway such that they wouldn't cross-contaminate with their family. We rented out a bunch of RVs to utility companies, you know, so they could isolate their employees, their critical infrastructure workers at their facilities. Did a lot of bookings for medical trips. You, you think about it, there's a lot of people who have appointments out of state and they used to take a plane to go to those appointments, but now they're not going to do that. So they flip to taking RVs. And so we basically flipped the business over to that for a month. And then once um, mid-April hit, people started seeing restrictions loosen, especially in Southern states, and started booking again for leisure travel. Because what RVing does is it gives you more control over your vacation. You're taking your bedroom, your kitchen, and your bathroom with you. In a time where you want to stay away from other people, that's incredibly important. We surveyed then and found that basically... I think three-fourths of people are still planning to take their summer vacations, but 93% of them wanted to stay away from crowds. So we knew that was good for us. Yeah. And so we started ramping up staffing, ramping up supply of RVs, all, all those types of things, kind of ahead of the surge in demand that we've seen. And the surge in demand we've seen has been just absolutely incredible. There's still RVs on the site that you can find to book. We haven't run out of them or anything like that. But we've had a, you know, our biggest booking season by a wide, wide margin. And it's been great from the respect of just business results and the performance we're able to deliver for our owners and the travelers we're able to send on great trips. That's all wonderful. But I think, you know, also importantly, we've raised awareness of a great way to travel. I think about, you know, we were talking about vacation rentals earlier. Vacation rentals expanded the definition of what travel's mainstream was. This summer has allowed us to expand that definition even further to include RV travel for trips that are best served by RVs. And that's what's really exciting for our team. I noticed something on your website, which I think our listeners would be really interested in knowing, is you can actually bring your pets with certain RVs. Uh, you actually have an area where you can choose whether or not it accepts cats and dogs or cats or dogs, which I thought was fantastic. So a lot of people either don't have the ability to have someone watch their animal or they actually might need their animal for a medical reason. So that, that's fantastic. So yeah, it's filter on the site. You can click for pet friendly rentals and just show the ones that are available as pet friendly. And yeah, that's something that a lot of people choose to use. And, you know, there's other people who explicitly won't rent one that is pet friendly because they don't want it to smell like cat or, you know, whatever. And, you know, so you can use that filter kind of in either direction. So, John, as someone who, who travels, obviously, like you do, do you have, you know, for an RV, do you have a bucket list trip that because you have children, I think I heard you say, 
a bucket list trip in an RV with your family that you have yet to do or one that you would recommend to somebody? And what type of RV would they need for that particular trip? Sure. So look, I would tell you first, just like from customers, the bucket list trips we hear about all the time are Yosemite, the Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, places like that. And, you know, those are always year after year, our big booking areas. I would say that this year, what I've learned, and I see this from our customers and also just in my personal experience is what I get out of RV trips is time outside, not so much the, the destination. We've seen that pop up a ton in our data around where people are searching. A lot more people are going to state parks this year. A lot more people who would have flown to Vegas and rented an RV and taking it to the Grand Canyon are just going to their nearby state park. And they're having just as good of a time. The satisfaction results don't vary based on where you go. They actually, you just want to spend time with your family outside. And I think that's something that I hope is a a lasting thing that we as a, a traveling public remember about this summer. That said, you know, in terms of bucket list type trips that I've done, my favorite RV trip is to, to Big Bend in Texas. You know, we went in the, the time of year where it was starting to, to cool down. And, you know, we were just out underneath a pitch black sky with beautiful stars. I was walking around with my daughter. And, you know, that's just something you you can't see staying in a hotel. It's just a completely different world. It was a beautiful place, but it was also just a a beautiful time and experience in terms of, you know, spending the time together. Now for me, bucket list trip, I've always wanted to do, you know, just a, I think it's either, you know, I-10 in the South or I-80 in the North, but just one end of the country to the other. So that's probably would be my bucket list trip. Since I do have two kids, I would do it in a Class C RV. I wouldn't try to do it in a camper van, just purely from a space perspective. That would probably be my bucket list trip. Does Class C mean size, or does it mean hitched or non-hitched, or both? Class C is basically a van chassis with the shell over it, the kind of most common type, right? A Class B, you typically see them as Mercedes Sprinters, but camper vans. And then a class A is the one that looks like a bus, the, the giant kind of motorhome. Then for, for the other ones, the tow behinds, there's, there's fifth wheels, which, you know, hook into the bed of a truck. They don't hook up to the bumper. And then there's, um, they're called travel trailers if they hook up to the bumper. And those can include everything from pop-up campers to toy haulers and, and all those types of things. That's great. I think my bucket list is would be like Cape Cod to get to go do Cape Cod in the Northeast in the summertime. I thought they'd be, I've been on Cape Cod and I've seen the different campgrounds go as you kind of head down towards uh, the traditional cities and towns there. And it always looked really, really fun because they're right on the water and it looks like you have a beach day and still have the experience of the RV, which would be really nice. And the on the water campgrounds isn't limited to Cape Cod either. There's some really incredible ones in Florida's Panhandle where you're up on a bluff and you're just overlooking the water. I mean, and there are a lot of places that are just incredibly beautiful where it's pretty, where it would be difficult to put a hotel, but it's not that hard to put a campground. So you can actually access some world that are, you know, even prettier than what you'd be able to see if you stayed in a more conventional type of lodging. I always get jealous when we're traveling, you know, on just driving on a highway and you see one of those beautiful RVs just go by and, you know, and they've got some bikes on the back. They may have a golf cart trailer behind it. And, you know, you kind of always just wonder, one, I always wonder what the inside of the thing looks like. 
I'm always like, you know, cause you see the slide outs and you know, those pop outs, the slide outs that, uh, and you're like, that can be a really, really big living space once that thing is set up. And I always get a little jealous of those people because they just seem to not have a care when they're driving. You know, we're just stressed out. We've got a car full of just junk and it is a different mindset. You know, you, you always go by and they never look stressed. They just kind of look happy on their way. Totally understand what you're talking about there. But, you know, also one of the things that I think is great about, you know, a service like ours is it allows you to, you know, before you go buy an RV, you can test drive it and see if that lifestyle fits you as well as you think it might before you, you know, go write a, a bigger check to, to buy an RV. Well, you know, and you always might like something different, you know, which is great. You don't bound to the same vehicle. And, and so if you can, this is great for this area and this one's better for this area and this distance. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the same thing with houses and hotels. You don't want to get to the same thing all the time. You want to change it up and do different things. Your service is perfect for that. Yeah. John, are you allowed to take them? I mean, obviously the borders are closed right now, but can you take them over Canada and Mexico? You can take them to Canada. You can't take them to Mexico. That's a a limitation of the insurance we have. Gotcha. So our listeners can find you at uh, rvshare.com. And where can they find you on social media? You can just go on to Facebook and look for RV Share also on Instagram. And, you know, we have all the typical social media platforms and just search RV Share and you can find us. Well, thanks for your time, John. Again, you can uh, reach John and his company at RVShare.com and any on the social media sites, just search RV Share. So John, thanks for your time and thanks for joining us on Destination Everywhere. I enjoyed the time, Todd and Andy. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks, John. You as well. Bye. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Gosh, that was great. Really enjoyed having John on the show. He uh, definitely, it's good to talk about from someone in the industry that actually knows a lot about how to travel via RV. So he was fantastic. Definitely answered all the questions that I had because, you know, you can be a little hesitant about traveling in a way that you're not used to, especially in a big vehicle. And I really enjoyed listening to what he had to say. Yeah, for sure. So now we're going to share our favorite road trips. Not the ones we do with kids, but the ones that we've really enjoyed over the years with our friends and family. And the first one I'm going to start with is Cape Cod. So every summer, family tradition, jumping in a car, heading up to the Cape in Massachusetts and enjoying all the things that you do when you go to Cape Cod. That's everything from lobster boils to whale watching. It is an incredible way to do it. And if you're in an RV, there's destinations that you can actually pull an RV straight up to the water on Cape Cod and enjoy the beach and the sights and sounds of summer without even uh, getting into a hotel. So I've always enjoyed Cape Cod going all the way down from Plymouth at the top. That is a great historical thing to see with the kids all the way down to Provincetown, which is a little edgier and fun and has a great vibe. Todd, what are some of your excited things you enjoy most about Cape Cod? Cape Cod is just, well, it's an amazing place anyways. Just the food, kind of the feel that the people have, especially over the summer, you know, it's a different kind of vibe. Just the weather is always, seems to be just perfect, especially when you're just on the open road. I understand rain happens, but everybody's just in the the mindset of relaxation and vacation when you're going in the Cape over the summer. You know, that's when it opens up. I haven't been there in the winter. I think it's a really good point about seeing all parts of it, especially Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket which are the islands off the Cape. And so you actually have to take a ferry there. And just, you know, a recommendation is you, you need to get reservations for your car way ahead of time 
a year in advance. Well, I think they open up. I think they open up about six months. Yeah, about six months in advance they open up. But you have to book those. So if you're going to head down to the Cape for business or pleasure, make sure that you reserve on one of the ferries. You have to get the steamship. Go to the Steamship Authority website and book. You can always uh, modify the reservation, but you need to get the reservation, or or else you've got to go on standby, and you never know what you're going to get in season because it, it does get a little crazy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then. Yeah, but Martha's Vineyard is um, really, it's out of a storybook. It has all these colonial historical buildings. Um, they actually require the landscaping to be done a certain way, so everything's uniform. And Fourth of July is just a spectacular weekend at the Cape, from the fireworks to the bike riding to the probably the neatest walking Fourth of July parade in America. It's really, really Americana, and I highly recommend it. Which, if you have time. You could actually participate in that parade, which is what our family did. It was great. Yeah, and it's also where Jaws was filmed. So a great place to got to go to the Jaws Bridge. You got to go you jump off the Jaws Bridge there. That's a great bucket list item. I should have written that down for today's thing. Jumping off the Jaws in Martha's Vineyard. That's a and getting it on video. Yeah, for sure. And I guess another island. I don't. I guess it's considered an island, but I think it seems to be connected as Chappaquiddick, which is has some historic relevance on its own. And you take the little Chappie Ferry back and forth, which is, it's like a 30 second ride. It takes no time to get there, but you do need to take this little ferry to get a vehicle over or your bikes. Even farther out, another island is Nantucket, which is kind of more, kind of a whale watching. It has the feel of an old whale watching town. Yeah, it was an old whale watching, not whale watching, a whaling town, fishing. Oh, well, thank you. A whaling town. Yeah. So fishing and whaling and um, historical buildings galore absolutely pristine. I'll never forget the first time I went and seen the cobblestone streets. They're exactly the same as they were back in the day, back in the 1700s, and they're just magnificent. And so they've done a really nice job um, restoring homes there, and um, it's a beautiful place to see. So that definitely should be on your road trip bucket list if you go to Cape Cod. Those are pretty amazing spots. You did talk about whale watching, and then we went further up we went all the way to Provincetown, which is also known as P-Town. It's such an eclectic, wonderful place right at the very tip of the, the Cape. We went out on a whale watching boat there. We saw more whales breaching. I mean, it just kind of blew my mind. We turned around and there was another one. I think they counted, what, 23 breaches or something when we went that day? Yeah. And it just this krill is all over the surface of the water. And then these whales would just come up. I don't know how far they came up, but it was just probably one of the most spectacular things I'd ever seen. Yeah. I mean, we have some of the best whale watching in the world and there's a lot of great places to do it. And um, off of Cape Cod is a fantastic place to do it. So if you have not done that, a great bucket list item to put down on your list is whale watching off of Cape Cod. Definitely. So Todd, what are some of the other uh, favorite personal road trips that, that, that you've done? Well, we like, you know, we like to hike and um, it's something as our kids get a little bit older, we hope they started enjoying it as much as we do. But um, we drove, it was actually from Boston through New Hampshire and Portsmouth and Kennebunkport and Kennebunk and Goose Rocks Beach is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, even before that, you've got Algonquin, Maine, and that's a great place. Yeah. And so we're just driving up the coast of Maine and then at Acadia, which is some of the most amazing hiking and then Bar Harbor, Maine, which is a really cute little town, shops and restaurants and some parks. It was great. It was, you know, I remember it so clearly. The weather was so spectacular 
And uh, we actually went as part of a family reunion. So we met other family there and we all got these little cabins in this one uh, location. And it was a lot of fun. We, we really enjoyed that trip. All right. So we covered Boston to Cape Cod. Now we just did Boston to Acadia. And let's talk a little bit about some uh, doing it like an historical road trip, which is really easy to do in the Northeast. Um, there's so many places to see from Virginia, South Carolina to Pennsylvania. You can go on and on and on and, on and put a great historical road trip together. Well, yeah, and you can even start as far south as like something like a Savannah or a Charleston or even St. Augustine. If you're looking at all those historical sites, you can just go up the East Coast into the Blue Ridge Mountains. There's just battlefields, you know, one after the next as you start hitting Virginia. And if you have a passion for, you know, American history, there's no better place to be. You can go right off of, uh, it's two different things, but they're close enough where you can make day trips to go back and forth. But the Blue Ridge Parkway is one destination, which is in the mountains of North Carolina and Virginia. But then if you if you push a little further east, you know, you do have Williamsburg, you've got Gettysburg, you've got Jamestown, you know, you've got all of these amazing places. And as you go closer, you've got uh, Thomas Jefferson, Monticello and Mount Vernon. Yeah, and, and Mount Vernon, which is George Washington's home, historical home, which has uh, really had an impact on me when I was a kid, when I went, I thought it was just Incredible. And Jamestown as well. A lot of uh, old families from the Northeast can actually take their history all the way back to Jamestown. So definitely something that you want to visit. But there's so much there. Then you have D.C. and just great historical activities you can do with your family and friends there as well. Great. And if we go to the West Coast, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the Pacific Coast Highway and doing that all the way from uh, San Diego. You've got Tijuana right there. So if you want to jump into Mexico, and then you just start heading north, and you've got the Newport Coast right there, which is uh, one of the most beautiful places in the United States for sure. And then you have L.A. and everything there is to do in L.A., from the being a fan of the movies to the Santa Monica Pier to the um, famous Scientific Museum. And uh, I know one of the favorite things that I've done is go to the planetarium on top of the Hollywood Hills. That's an, a fantastic bu- bucket list thing to do. You so yeah, you head north, you pass, you know, you go through Malibu, then Santa Barbara. You know, it really doesn't stop, you know, because that sprawl that LA has and that attracts so many of the uh, uh, people that love California. It's that that climate, that weather that's right up that PCH. But then you just keep going, and it gets different. You know, I it, like California is like Florida. It's like almost two different states. You know, and as you go further north, it just becomes a different type of state. Then you come up into the Bay Area. You've got Oakland and San Francisco, which are absolutely amazing. You go just outside of San Francisco, you've got wine country. And that's going to be a whole show in itself in the future. But there are so many you know, wineries and, and just so much to do out in that area, from grape stomping to hot air balloon rides, you know, picnics, tastings. And that's just outside of the city. And then you get into San Francisco and it's just, you know, again, yeah, that's a trip in itself. And then you go further north through Sacramento. You know, you come up on Oregon and in the Pacific Northwest, which is, you know, some of the most beautiful territory in the U.S. So, yeah, if you have the time and have never done it, you know, just take the time and do it right, you know, and just pick your stops ahead of time. And it's pretty amazing. I love the West Coast. Awesome. So let's talk about just some popular U.S. uh, road trips that are that also have some really cool bucket list items as well. So I know you went to school up in Virginia and the Blue Ridge Parkway, that area kind of the Virginia, North Carolina area. That's a fantastic one. And that really kind of goes straight through the Appalachian Mountains. 
Yeah, and I, this is generational, but whenever someone drives from the south to the north, if they say they're going to take the scenic route, which is what my dad often said, he was going to take the Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah. It wasn't the shortest way for me to be, but it was a way for us to, <laughs> to enjoy the trip as much as we were enjoying the destination. Yeah. As a young kid, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I probably should have. But now as an adult, I kind of understood what he meant yeah. by taking the scenic route. But it's beautiful. It really is. And I know you've actually gone to Luray Caverns, which is kind of that one of those bucket list items on that trip. Tell us about it. Those are the largest caverns in the eastern United States. You literally, you know, you see stalagmites and stalactites. It's absolutely gorgeous. And there are some other things. There's a museum around it. And then there's some, you know, I think on the park, there is food and beverage. You can't take anything into the caverns. I mean, you can't take pets in the caverns, but we often have our pets on these road trips. But, you know, they're always welcome, but they're not always welcome everywhere. So just keep that in mind also when you're planning. If you do have pets and animals, have a place for them to go if you're going to be exploring because you don't want them trapped in a car or vehicle, especially if there's no AC. For sure. But uh, yeah, just there's also uh, Smith Mountain Lake, which is right off of that. And Mountain Lake is part of where Dirty Dancing was filmed. Do you know <laughs> some of those scenes? Can you tour that? You know, I don't know. Back in the day, all the fraternities and sororities would hold their formals there. Right now, we'll have to get back to people on that. I don't know what the status of... Uh, Smith Mountain Lake is, or uh, in terms of visiting or what people can and can't do, because it is a destination and it, it obviously got very popular during that movie. It was also filmed in North Carolina, two parts of the Blue Ridge Mountains there. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Florida and kind of the Gulf Coast from Louisiana to Florida. That's a really popular destination, especially for Midwesterners, where they end up like in Sandestin Beach, that area, really, really some of the most gorgeous beaches in the state of Florida or the world, just absolutely beautiful development that they actually uh, use for the Truman Show is there, which is absolutely beautiful seaside. Yep. And highly recommend that you stop there. It looks like an old beach town, but it's all new construction. Really, really incredible. Because it's actually a pretty cool thing to do is if you know you're going to a certain area, Google like movies. If you're a movie buff, just Google movies made in this area. Yeah. You'll find those, you know, some pretty cool spots. You know, you could do it at Savannah and Charleston. You're like, I had no idea this was filmed here. But yeah, Seaside in the Panhandle, which is uh, just east of uh, Destin, is a beautiful area. And then they've got now Watercolors, which is another place, into Grayton Beach, and, and then into Destin. But the beaches are consistently voted the prettiest in the United States, all along the Gulf. And one bucket list item I have, which I know you can do, a little farther south, uh, Crystal River, which is more north-central Florida, is actually swimming with the manatees. And this is the only place that you can actually do it legally. And manatees are an endangered species. They have come back quite a bit, which is fantastic. But they have these cold springs there where you can actually swim near them. You're not supposed to touch them, but you're with a guide and you can actually do it. And that's an incredible bucket list item to try as you do this road trip. So definitely put that on there if you're headed down to the Gulf Coast. And it's just a short drive to get to the Crystal River as well. And another one is Route 12 through Utah. This is about 124 miles worth of road through the Red Rocks, which are absolutely amazing. People say that it's meditational and spiritual, and it really is. It's an absolutely gorgeous place. Yeah, and you go to uh, Lake Powell right there, which we've done. It's unbelievable. The largest man-made lake in America, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Now, they've had some droughts over the years, which has really brought it down. But one thing you can do, and definitely a bucket list item, is to actually rent a, a houseboat for the week and troll through all the great 
coves there in Lake Powell. So I highly recommend that one. That's a fantastic uh, trip to do. So that said, I mean, obviously we could go on and on and on about a lot of these amazing road trips because the United States is so big. These are all just domestic trips, but we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some national parks. So uh, stick with us and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil. So excited to be back with you. And we're going to talk about some of our favorite national parks, which are, can be part of any road trip. And I know a lot of people are doing them this year in RVs and cars and everything. So, Todd, what is your favorite one or one of the favorite ones you visited? We're going to talk about a couple here. But uh, one I want to mention is uh, Crater Lake in Oregon. Is, uh, it's a huge it's Crater Lake National Park, and it's a huge lake. It's probably one of the most pristine in the world, but definitely it's the deepest in the United States, and it's fed by uh, snow and rain, so it's just absolutely beautiful. But you do need, there's hiking around it, and you do also need to check because sometimes uh, with fog and smoke, the visibility around the lake could be pretty poor, but absolutely just a gorgeous place. Yeah, I know one of the favorite ones is the National Park, but also a huge bucket list item for a lot of people is Redwood National Park in California, which you can visit the tallest trees on earth, which are the redwoods, and it's absolutely awe-inspiring. So if you haven't been, you definitely want to put that on your list if you're going to do the PCH and go up the California coastline for sure. Because that's what, about 40 miles of coastline, right, is the redwood forest? Yeah, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And then I think one of the most famous ones. Yeah, we would be remiss if we didn't say, of course, uh, Yellowstone, Yellowstone National Park. Yellowstone is just, it's so big that it encompasses several states. And this is uh, one of our most memorable trips uh, was going to, we flew into Jackson Hole and we got to spend some time going to all the places around Jackson Hole, you know, and sometimes we drove for a couple of hours, but it goes on and on. So, you know, depending on where you go into the park, you're going to see different things, but it's all amazing. But tell me about the trip that we had out there. Yeah, Grand Teton National Park is right there. But yeah, bison, wolves, bear. Matter of fact, while we were hiking one day, someone got attacked by a bear, like, you know, threw us over. So you have to be really, <laughs> you have to make sure you have your bear mace. Yeah, well, we were on the hike and then we saw it in the news that night that it was, you know, oh, someone was, you know, mauled by a bear. But yeah, we have bear mace. I have bear mace now. But Yellowstone is known, uh, has more geysers than any other park and obviously Old Faithful. So definitely put that on your list if you... uh haven't been there yet. It's a once in a lifetime and a must do. Oh, that yeah. Jenny Lake. Absolutely gorgeous. There's a lodge there. Is it Jenny Lake Lodge? But it's just absolutely beautiful. We went out one morning because we were looking for moose, which everybody wants to go see moose when they're out there. And someone says, drive out this road this time of day. I guarantee you'll see them. And we're driving and we saw some cars stopped. And of course there was this huge bull moose. And I think there were probably about three or four females with them. They were just in the middle of a, it was a campground actually. Yep. And it was kind of a little fog. It was absolutely gorgeous. So, you know, we hung out with them for a little bit, of course, from a safe distance. And then we drove out to, uh, it's a, I think it was Crater Lake, another one. It's another Crater Lake in Jackson Hole. We saw that and then we were coming back and we just got kind of a herd of buffalo, just started walking right around the car and past our car. And it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's one of those things, you know, again, tourists do all kinds of foolish things. You know, you don't touch them. You don't get out of your cars. You don't do this. But just sit in your car with your windows rolled up and watch these things. It just blow your mind. I think the last ones is Hawaii Volcano National Park, which if you make it to the islands, you've making that long trip. 
it's definitely worth a road trip to get there, get a car, and go into the National Park, which has uh, some of the most active volcanoes in the world. It has over 150 miles of hiking trails, and you can do so much on that island in a very short amount of time. So highly recommend that as well. You know, and another one that's different, you know, when you think of national parks, so, you know, most people think of trees and lakes and rivers and all those things that have to do, you know, with kind of our perception, mine anyways. But there's also something called, it's Great Sand Dunes National Park. And that's, you know, basically desert terrain, which is, you know, just another element we have in the United States that's so unique to kind of where we are. But that's actually in Colorado, you know. So when you see those cool videos on YouTube or in commercials where they're doing like sand sledding or surfing, it's really cool, but that's actually in places like a Great Sand Dunes National Park. Great. So those are some of our favorite road trips. And to get you ready to go on any of these road trips, we're going to spend just a few minutes talking a little bit about what you should pack in your car or your RV. So obviously, depending on what you're traveling in will determine how much you can take, right? But there are some key things that you need to remember to bring on any road trip to make sure. First and foremost is water. We always just throw a case of water in the back trunk just to be extra safe. You never know if you're going to be broken down for any length of time. So just have plenty of water with you at all time. And one thing you just said, well, portable chargers, things that run on batteries, just in case you are broken down, you know, snacks, you said water, piggyback that with snacks too. Because God forbid you, you always hear these stories about, you know, someone that their car broke down at the wrong time of day or the wrong season of the year. It turns into a survival (laughs) What to it? What started out as a harmless road trip turns into a survival story. Yeah, well, you know, I think our next uh, recommendation is make sure you have a good playlist. So if you are stranded and it turns into a survival story, you can listen to some great music. Right. I know our family creates a summer road trip playlist every year, which is a lot of fun. The kids love it, and it keeps everybody entertained. So make sure it's music that everybody loves. And there's so many great apps as well that you can download from Ways to Road Trippers. There's tons of information out there. So have that on your phone before you get in the car. Make it a lot easier. Always have pillows and blankets. Definitely blankets, especially if it's a cold time of year because the weather turns on a dime sometimes in some of these places. And, you know, if you are out there, you don't want to freeze. It's not very comfortable, even if you're just stopping for a little bit and stay warm. Yeah. And just have a quick packet of toilet paper, cleaning wipes, towels, garbage bags, all that stuff just in one container so it's ready to go. You will need it, especially if you're going on a, on a long road trip for sure. Yeah, we should, we should also probably mention, you know, all of these parks and all of these outdoor locations, it's kind of like it's all leave no trace, you know? So anything you bring into these beautiful places, be sure you take it all out with you. Don't leave garbage anywhere. Don't start fires anywhere where you're not supposed to other than designated areas. And just take everything with you when you leave. You know, that saves it for the next person. And again, we're the guests and, you know, we don't want to be that rude person that ruins it for other people. Well, thanks everyone for listening to uh, this week's Destination Everywhere. Uh, It's been a great show. Uh, John was just a fantastic guest. Um, I hope you guys learned a lot about how you can use RVs in lots of different ways instead of hotels and some great road trip ideas from Todd and myself, both our personal ones and the ones around national parks. There's so much to do in this great country. So you don't need to get on a plane, especially right now to have a great time. So here's to you. Here's to a great summer and safe travels. Take care. Have a great day. 
You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.